0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Got a great show planned for you. Oh, it's going to be heavy on the mental health. We're going to be talking about ways to deal with events, birthdays, holidays on your own. That's right, because uh, people, even when vaccinated, can still pass along and get infected by the virus. So we're looking out for those around us just because we might be vaccinated, others might not be. We're also going to be talking about the importance of touch, but we're going to be going deeper and talk about the physical positive impacts it can have and why it is so important that we're in healthy relationships with people that are worthy of our trust that are not engaging in any kind of physical or emotional abuse so we have access to these things and then uh, finally we're gonna start the process of talking about uh, how to disconnect from what's coming. the warm weather summertime beach weather is coming and that means a lot of body shaming is gonna be happening a lot of promotion of toxic gym culture and disordered eating so we're gonna start talking about that you are can hear a lot more about that uh, Wanted to open the show by talking about a whole bunch of ridiculous stuff. My God, so much is always going on in the news. Um, Minnesota, Minnesota court rules felony rape charge. Ready for this? Does not apply if the victim got willingly drunk. Somehow, if the victim got intoxicated, they then are at the mercy of anyone around them. That's really what that's saying. That... uh, You know, no one has to have any responsibility for not raping others or for looking out for others. It's kind of gross. This is the Minnesota Supreme Court, and they ruled that a man who had sex with a woman while she was passed out on his couch could not be found guilty of felony rape because the victim got herself drunk beforehand. So apparently, the consuming of alcohol means you no longer have human rights and are not protected from other people. How about stop raping? How about we talk more about people having boundaries and impulse control? Um, that's, that's so gross to me. So Minnesota is one of the many states that says that for a victim to be too mentally incapacitated to give consent, they must have become intoxicated against their will, such as if a person secretly drugged their drink. That doesn't even make any freaking sense. I'm so bummed out by this. Um, this is not how we make people feel comfortable, safe, or taken care of. Rape is a men's issue. Those are the people that are creating about 97% of sexual assaults. So it shouldn't be again, going on victims to not drink alcohol because again, we're just unwilling to hold men accountable. That's, that's, that's backwards. That's victim blaming. That's a mess. That's a mess. Men hold each other accountable on small and large levels, a hundred percent. Don't joke anymore about people taking advantage or assaulting others. Um, Talk to your friends about boundaries and impulse control, only having sex with consent. Let's talk more about consent. I'm so sick of victims being blamed. Um, Getting even bizarre because, again, our culture is such a horrible relationship around sexuality. Utah, not a shocker, is passing a law that would ban adult content on cell phones. Ready for this one? This is definitely a free speech issue. So under the new law that was signed last week, all cell phones and tablets sold in Utah would be required to automatically block adult content. And this is to protect children. Um, I'm all about children being protected, but that's called being a parent. If you're going to get your child under a certain age a cell phone, yeah, you got to do parenting. You got to talk to them about what they're using. You gotta look at what they're looking at and using. You gotta have what we call adult conversations with children. Children need to learn how to encounter things. The work of being a good caregiver isn't just removing every sharp object so they can't bump into anything. It's also talking about literacy, safety, boundaries, understanding. We have to learn how to come in contact with sexuality. This is part of what leads to sexual assault, is we don't talk about sex, we have so much fear and anxiety of it, and then we magically expect people to move into adulthood and understand boundaries, impulse control, arousal, consent. No, we have to start talking about that stuff from birth, from birth. So no, that is a problem, and I hope that that gets shot down. that's not how you handle things. God bless the ACLU who stated that the constitutionality of the bill had not been adequately considered and has said that it will be argued in court. ACLU is taking them to court. They said, this is another example of this legislature dodging the constitutional impacts of the legislation that they pass. So more to come on that. I will uh, keep you up to date with that because I think that that's a mess. Um, Also, Catholic Church, they're opposed to a suicide hotline because it's going to include support for LGBTQIA people. Could you imagine saying, yeah, you know, we're all about trying to, you know, decrease the number of suicides, but if you're going to help decrease them for gay people, we're out. Sorry, we're out. Somehow that group and trans individuals, their lives don't have as much value. We don't want to prevent their suicide. How, how, else, do you, how, how else do you even explain that? Um, so yes, a U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops opposed the Violence Against Women Act and providing broader public accommodations and protections for people of color. Like what is going on in the Catholic church? This is, I was raised Catholic. This is why I've stepped away. This is a mess. This is a mess. What are you guys doing? Who are you centering? Seriously, only white cis hetero men? Are they the only people who have lives of worth and value? Because that's what you're communicating. But yet you're going to wonder why you're losing church attendance. Because it's a place of hate and bigotry. That is why. People don't want to participate in that. That's a mess. A mess. Oh, my God. So much more work to do, y'all. All All right. On another note, coming back. Coming back to it. When we come back, we're going to be talking about how to spend the holidays. Um, And again, I know we're not in holiday season, but still events occur, birthdays, and yes, some smaller holidays. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back. And, uh, you know, we're talking about something I said I was going to talk about. It was about how to spend the holidays alone, how to spend our birthday alone. You know, we're, we're still in COVID. Not everyone's vaccinated. We also know that vaccinations don't, don't promise that we can't, you know, still get infected or pass the infection along. So we're still needing to stick together in small numbers, vaccinated people take their masks off around other vaccinated people. But you know, again, we still have birthdays and holidays that are happening in major events where some people are vaccinated. Other people aren't some people might be, but they're still going home to people that aren't vaccinated, which means they can still get infected and transmit it. So we still got to be thoughtful. So if you hadn't heard everything I just said, I'm glad I'm saying that. So what does that mean in terms of holidays, events, birthdays? Well, it means they're still going to be different for a while. Different doesn't mean bad, wrong, stinky, canceled. It's just different. We have to get familiar because, listen, our friends and family aren't always going to be able to participate in the most important days of our lives. Sometimes they have other things that are more important to them, right? i had been invited to people's birthdays or weddings when I had something that was important to me that conflicted. And someone's wedding and birthday isn't more important than whatever is the most important thing to me. Yes, I want us to be available to our friends and family, but sometimes it's literally competing with something that should be more important to us. We can't always be there. Maybe we're traveling, maybe we don't have the finances. We're moving into the year being more honest. Hey, unfortunately I can't afford to participate in your wedding. I don't have the money to travel, to buy myself something to wear, to get you a gift, to throw you a, you know, it's exhausting, it's expensive, remember your friends and family members are coming out of the pandemic, maybe having been financially insecure, housing insecure. So it can't be like business as usual. Hey, I'm getting married, I need a gift. That whole thing always grossed me out anyway. If you invite someone to your wedding or birthday, it's because you want them there, not because you expect money or a gift. Some people might have to come without spending any money or purchasing a gift because they can't afford it and they still want to celebrate with you. So hold space for that. Not everyone's going to be able to come and eat and chip in money so they'll come after just to say hi. You know, if you want someone at your weddings, because you want them there. They might not be able to afford to bring a gift. Like, we have to be adults about things. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. But... What can we do for some holidays and our birthdays if we have to spend them alone? Well, we got tons of great streaming services. Maybe you plan your own little cuddled up, rolled up like a burrito in a blanket movie binge. We're finding joy and pleasure, and we're still honoring and celebrating the holidays, but again, they're different. I did that for one of the holidays. I was just doing a movie marathon, doing my thing, happy as heck. Also, you can ask loved ones to maybe still participate from afar. I love technology in that way. Getting on Zoom, getting FaceTimes, Sending videos, maybe people are still gonna send a card or a gift or a cake or whatever it is. Let that be enough. Let it be enough that someone's thinking of you. If someone reaches out or shows up, let that be enough. It doesn't necessarily have to be supported by materialism and things. We need to move away from that and expand beyond that. But just let people be present, right? Also, you can still have a full-blown party online. I had a friend that sent people things they needed, or an ingredient list ahead of time and they all were drinking the same cocktail or they all had the same food delivered or they were all streaming and watching the same movie and that is how they spent time together so thank god for technology in that way also we want to validate things that occur that only happen just things that occur only with us with ourselves Someone else's presence can sometimes enhance an event or an experience, but we have to still allow it to have meaning when it's just us with ourselves. So maybe you make yourself a cake or get a cake for yourself and you celebrate it on your own. Sing yourself happy birthday. It's different. I know it's not ideal, but sometimes that's just what's going to have to happen. You know what I mean? I also love the idea of getting out. Go spend time in nature. Go for a hike for your birthday or for whatever the event is that people can't make it. Go out and go window shopping. But still, it's like I said around the uh, holiday time in the fall and winter, still decorate. Still play music. If you like to dress up, still dress up. If you like to prepare special food, still do that. You know, your self-worth is also rooted in what you do for yourself and you're worth planning something for yourself. Even if it's just you there, you're still worth that time. You're still worth that energy. You're still worth that money. You're still worth being celebrated. I don't want people to somehow reduce or negate the beauty of celebration because they're doing it for and with themselves only. That's not fair or kind to you. It's kind of also like if someone can't attend an event, you then let the whole event be ruined, which is disrespectful and dishonoring the people that did show up. Like, what, they don't matter? Then send them home. But if they're there and they matter, then be glad that they're there and, and participate with them. But the same thing for yourself. I don't want us to disrespect ourselves by saying, because this isn't the way it normally is, it just doesn't matter account, right? That's not fair. And that might just not be honest with how things are going for a while. You know, we're watching, I'm, I'm being very American-centric, but I'm watching what's going on in some other cities, uh, cities, other countries. Looking over at Brazil and the UK and Canada, they are not doing well with numbers. Their numbers are rising. And uh, Canada has basically no uh, vaccination rollout plan. And I can say that because they don't get the show up there. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm dating someone from Canada, and I'm always saying, what's going on? What's Justin up to? Because y'all don't have a rollout plan. They're Prime Minister Justin. Uh, But anyway, my point being, still decorate, still celebrate. Make yourself a little cocktail or a mocktail. You know, I'm a non-drinker, so I'd have a mocktail. Still, I'd have myself a little vegan birthday cake. I'd still sing to myself. You know what I mean? I wouldn't rule it all out. I'd still get together with who's available. But we need to get more comfortable understand that not everyone can participate for health reasons and not everyone can participate for financial reasons and that we still want to give the worth and value that it can have you know what I mean we don't want to just let go of everything I've had to make some special moments of my own for myself this whole time and also maybe just go down memory lane I'd love that too I spent a lot of time playing music and looking through photos as a way to kind of participate differently you know but um, it just doesn't, I, I just, again, I don't know how the fall and winter are gonna be. We might have to, again, get comfortable with it's gonna be different. That doesn't mean it's bad, broken, or canceled. Because a lot of people were saying that those that celebrate Christmas or Thanksgiving, they were just whining that it's like canceled. And it's like, it's not, it's just different. And that's okay. Um, all right, uh, gonna take a little break. So stick around, DMs. Always open any question you got for us. Drop it in there, and uh, if you want to check out past episodes of Loveline, you can do so by going to wearechannelq.com. Scrolling down, looking for my face, clicking on it, and they're all there. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back. Uh, I'm going to talk quickly about touch. I wanted to make sure I touched upon this because. We talked about it a little bit in the past, but it was more around dating and sex and romance, but I wanted to just talk about it more in terms of um, platonic and affection. First off, I'm always all for platonic intimacy where I want friends to be able to hold hands, friends to be able to cuddle, friends to be able to touch, friends to be able to give hugs. I really want to move to towards a world where we appreciate that. Um, But again, we have to move through to a world where we're getting away from toxic forms of monogamy, where people feel so threatened by their partners having affection or attention or emotional intimacy with others. We have to move away from that. That's toxic jealousy. It's a really harmful way to run your relationship. We need touch. And friendship is a really beautiful place. And again, I'll say this as much as I can remember to say this. I'm always talking about healthy relationships if you're in a an abusive relationship I'm not discuss I'm not talking about that if you're in a relationship with someone who's not worthy of trust again that's something else I'm talking about healthy adult relationships where there's no emotional or physical abuse and we trust each other and if you're not in that you need to leave we're not we're no longer staying in emotionally or physically abusive relationships and we're not with people we don't trust but if we are with people we trust and there's no abuse then we should be happy when our partners are happy that's what love and relationships about and we should be glad to see them forming really deep emotional bonds and connections with friends and people in their life. Again, as we start relationships with people, we should be making their lives bigger and better. And so emotional intimacy is something I want to see more of. But I wanted to quick talk talk quickly about some research that came out around touch. Now remember, when we talk about any relationship, the way we really feel close and connected and, and building of intimacy is eye contact, Uh, time together that has shared experience and touch. Right? So that's why when we're talking to someone or someone's talking to us, we always wanna put our phone down, stop watching the TV, look away from our computer, make eye contact. That's how they really feel seen and heard. Also, shared, it's about time together, but it's shared experience time together. So if we're near each other, but on our phones, that's not the kind of time together I'm talking about because there's no shared experience. I'm talking about when we're cooking together, we're in the same room and available to talk and hear each other, make eye contact. Maybe we're watching television together, but I can easily turn to them, reference what we're seeing together. It's about that shared experience. But what about touch on its own? Well, research shows that people who are touched have less severe illnesses. Part of that is touch reminds us someone's there for us. Touch is also a really powerful way to co-regulate, which means it soothes our nervous system, can help decrease psychological distress, but also decrease stress hormones. It, It calms and soothes us. And that comes from touch. And I want us to be able to touch our friends, put our arm around our friend, lock our arm in our friend's arm, lean on them and say, I'm here for you. Like, that's beautiful. Our partners can offer that, but our friends should be able to too. too. We need this as much as possible. Also, touch, especially like a hug, can lower blood pressure. Again, part of that co-regulatory capacity that it can have. And that's why we need to be in non abusive, safe relationships, even romantically, so that that kind of touch is available. I don't want people to be accepting that kind of touch from someone who's abusive emotionally or physically, from someone who we can't trust. That won't soothe us. In fact, that might further amplify the negative effects of stress, right? That's why we have to be in healthy relationships. We can access what, what they can offer in terms of us being more resilient, physically and mentally robust as well. It can also slows down our heart rate, which is really great. That's why it's very calming when someone puts their hand on you with a, you know with consent or someone you love and they put their hand on you when you're upset, right? Or they put their hand on your back when they can see that you're in a little bit of distress. Also, as I said, the autonomic nervous system, but it also helps reduce cortisol, which is the stress hormone right? And that's from touch, right? And that's why it's misused as well. The same thing that can heal us can also be used to harm us because intent matters. The person who it's coming from and the intent, just like I can sit next to someone on an airplane, body's touching for six hours heading to the East Coast. That's not soothing. That's not nourishing. That's not intimacy. Why? Because it wasn't the intended. It was just casual by default, forced. That's not going to do it. Intent is built in. We can tell the difference, and it matters who it's coming from. It will never be soothing if it's coming from someone who's also our abuser. The abusing parent, the abusing friend, the abusing sibling, the abusing partner, they'll never be able to offer touch that feels safe. And that's part of healing trauma, is moving into relationships and starting to be able to let our guard down and to start to let touch begin to feel soothing but we don't ever want to normalize some of this. And that's why we wanna move away from emotional and physically abusive relationships. Mental health matters. And also, it helps release some bonding chemicals like vasopressin, oxytocin, and those are really valuable, again, for our mental health, but also for physical health, because it soothes us. And that's where mental and the physical all combine and coexist. And this is why I go on and on and on about how important it is to be in healthy relationships for your mental health, but also so you can have access to these collateral Levels of support and care, such as touch. You know, the more touch, the better. Massages, hugs, laying with someone, being held, right? Or just having them rub you, you know? You can notice it with pets. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs and then we're going to be talking about prepping for the summer and all the body negativity that's been promoted already and coming down the pike. So, uh, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my girlfriend and I got into a pretty big fight last week. She told me that I was being less caring and loving with her, and I've been that way for a while now. Okay, okay. I told her that the reason I have kind of backed away is because we've only had sex once in the last year. I guess my patience level is kind of done. The reason we've stopped having sex was because she had body issues and is going through depression. She started seeing a therapist a few months ago, but told me in our argument that she's too embarrassed to talk to him about her sex issues. I'm kind of getting fed up. I've repeatedly told her my needs, and every time I ask her if there's anything I can do, she tells me no. I love her, and I don't wanna leave her over sex, but it's important to me, and the problem is that I feel dismissed, and that's all about her issues. There's so much to unpack in this. (laughs) Um, Okay, first off, this shouldn't be a fight. Let me just start there. Uh, You're on the same team. You're on the same side. Even if you aren't, it doesn't need to be a fight. I want to remind everyone in relationships, regardless of what they are, we have to think in what I call relational terms, which means we wanna act, speak, and think, and use verbiage that communicates, we're, we're in this together, I wanna to work on this. It doesn't need to be something that distances you or pushes either one of you away. No one's, no one's necessarily at fault, but even if they are, we, we wanna partner with our partner, right? Because how you manage this is a sign of your mental health as well, right? No matter what the issue is, no matter what the relationship is, how you and this other person manage conflict communicates about what's possible, how healthy you both are, but also how healthy you are individually. So be better, be better. If you love this person, be better. We, we can't run at the sign of an issue because if we're talking about anything mental health-wise, but especially sex, right? That's gonna be something that's gonna have some ebbs and flows, it goes through phases. And so whatever our sex life is like now, most likely it'll evolve into something better or worse. And then it evolves back out of that and into something else. So it shouldn't have to be a fight. And there shouldn't be a reason for you to back away. I mean, I have more questions about that. Why, why, why back away? Why that, That's not helpful, and that's very punishing. You're disappointed that sex isn't there. You want her to work on her body issues and depression. You're frustrated she's not talking to her therapist about sex. But leaning out or backing away is not not a solution. Lean in more. Be more present. Be more engaged. Otherwise, leave. But this in between, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay but be as gone as possible while still staying, is very punishing and, and doesn't understandably motivate your partner to do the work she needs to do. But yes, I agree. I want her to be able to talk to her therapist about sex. Some therapists are very sex negative or not confident themselves and haven't done the work on their own sexuality. And sexuality again is far bigger than gender, I mean just sex. And some therapists help their clients avoid it by not asking. The minute I'm working with a client who's in a relationship that tells me anything about depression or body issues, of course I'll say, how does that impact intimacy on every level, emotionally but also physically and sexually? So the therapist sounds a little stinky, but nonetheless, yeah, you got to talk to your girlfriend and say, listen, this is important to me, and if it's important to me, it needs to be important to you. But you, person asking the question, needs to be a little more supportive of her journey. This might take years to resolve. You don't drop into therapy and after your entire life, however many decades you've been alive, struggling with issues, you don't resolve it quickly. Therapy takes at least six months to a year to resolve the most basic issues. Yeah, therapy's an ongoing process, I think people often don't understand that. They come in after decades of struggling with something that's been reinforced over and over and they think in like a few sessions, we're just going to talk it out. It just doesn't work like that. It's bigger than that. So if you're not going to be able to stick in there for the long haul, it's time to go. But you own that. It's your decision to leave because you can't partner and stick around through this. But yes, you need to tell your partner, listen, if you care about me, you care about my concerns and sex is one of those. But there is there are ways to still be sexual while fighting that. But I would tell her to see a certified sex therapist. Anything sexually based. That's always your best bet because we can at least be confident that that person is able and willing to talk about sexuality. But I do think you need to be a little more supportive and not be um, so so hasty to exit or to really problematize everything, but you got to lean in more. You know what I mean? But I do I do appreciate the struggle. Um, if you're in a monogamous relationship, well then absolutely partnered sexuality is going to be frustrating if it's not on the table. Um, all right, y'all, we're going to take a little break. Funny enough, we're going to talk about uh, body love. That's right. We're heading towards the summer. Got to talk about this stuff. And then of course, we're going to be closing out with some more DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in our Loveline IG page. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back, and uh, whoa, summer's coming, y'all. That means, uh, it means a lot, actually. It means, for me, my seasonal affective kicks in. I start to get a little depressed and really anxious and uncomfortable and moody when the summer comes. The heat and the sun really do a number on my mood and my personality. It's a struggle. Um, Everyone often thinks seasonal affective is just about the dark and the cold and the snow and that it's very much a northern thing or an east coast thing and you know, no. Uh, Seasonal affective is when you're affected by the seasons and it's a psychological struggle. struggle. I have an older brother who has seasonal affective, lives on the east coast, and in when he when he knows that the winter's coming, he has to start you know, this is this is part of mental health, right? Is understanding who we are, what our needs are. We are no longer apologizing for our mental health issues or struggles. Uh, we're not apologizing, we're not trying to make excuses, we're just saying, This is who I am, this is the brain I have, this is the psychology I have, and these are what the needs are, these are what my needs are, period right? Um, we're no, we're we are centering and prioritizing mental health. So my brother as an adult has to be aware of what his work is. And he knows when he, when the fall's coming, he has to say to himself, seasonal effective's on its way. So I need to number one, remind myself that it's not that I've just magically suddenly slipped into some depression. He has to start to frame everything as, okay, I knew that this was coming. I don't need to panic. I don't need to worry. I need to normalize that Sadly, or inherently, or from an empowered place, however you want to frame it, that during the the deep fall and the winter, I will often feel depressed. It's not always about alleviating that, right? A lot of mental health work is about letting things be a companion on our journey. We don't need to always get rid of and eliminate everything, right? that that's just going to be what it's going to be like sometimes he'll start taking an antidepressant in preparation for the fall and the winter knowing that normally depression's not something he needs help with and at times antidepressants have helped him get through the winter and that's when he takes them and then he stops. Other times he's realized that they maybe haven't been as helpful and he's gone other routes. He also uses a light, a light board, a light box, excuse me, where he has to spend a certain amount of every t- day, excuse me, sitting in front of the light box. But he also spends more time outside during the sun time, uh, daytime. He goes for long extended walks. But he builds that in knowing it's coming. He doesn't wait until he's feeling really depressed to then try to implement all these things, he's preventative, knowing that it's, it's still gonna happen, but if he can be in front of it, he can kind of shave down some of those sharp edges. And so weeks out, he maybe starts taking antidepressant or not, but he definitely starts getting up earlier, going to bed earlier, and spending a lot more time outdoors during the daytime, and he goes for these walks off in this area near our childhood home. So we wanna start knowing that. So I know that with the summer coming, Everyone starts to want to do a lot of things outdoors. I start to switch. It starts to stress me out. I start staying home more, running the air conditioning. And so I I make a lot of weekend travel plans to cooler climates. Um, And I also start drawing my shades. And when I'm a little irritable, I remind myself it might be the heat. The heat's very intensive for me. So we're taking care of ourselves this summer or this fall. But I just want to always give support to those that don't enjoy the sun or the outdoors or the heat. It's very normalized in our culture. I got a lot of shame for it as a child. Um, as though there's something wrong with me because I didn't want to be out there, you know, in, in multiple layers of sweat, sweating over my lunch, sitting outside or whatever. Um, that's not to say I don't like the outdoors or the sun. I just have to be prepared. If I go to the beach, I got my sunscreen. I bring a gigantic umbrella that I sit under. You know, I bring a lot of reading material and I kind of make do, but I prepare. Um, but I don't, I don't apologize or defend. I just say this is who I am and this is what my needs are. And I expect everyone around me to be an adult and be able to understand that, right? Like everyone in my life is pretty healthy. They understand boundaries. They knew who I am. But anyway, we got to prepare. And that's, that's me calling out a larger piece of knowledge, which is, Sit down and say, who am I? What do I need? And then also implement that with no apologies. We really have to start giving people the accommodations they need. Everyone can't be treated the same. Everyone has literal different needs based on everything. But let's just start at least with their psychology. Everyone's psychology is different. There's no such thing as all women, dot, dot, dot. There's no such thing as all people, dot, dot, dot. There's no such thing as all anything. All gay people are different. All black people are different. All women are different. Um, We all have different needs based on all the intersecting identities, traumas, and our psychology and we have to start asking for what it is we need, right? Uh, yeah, and we talk a lot about neurodiversity, where right? everyone has a different brain. And just because a lot of mental struggles or you know, disorders are invisible, it doesn't mean that they're not real, especially when we're talking about things that involve energy and focus and things like that. But when we come back, Uh, we're gonna be talking specifically about bodies because we have to start bringing back our talk about body positivity and body neutrality because when the warm weather in the summer comes, that's when a lot of people's disordered relationships around the gym and their bodies and their weight and food really gets kicked into high gear. Um, it's a breeding ground for that. I'm already seeing people problematically starting to post about COVID weight gain and COVID weight loss. And it just makes everyone collectively be forced into considering and thinking about that. And that's not what we need to be worrying about right now. We should not be worrying about whether we put on weight or not. Who cares? We should be paying attention to how safe do we feel? Are we ready to re-enter the world? How we've been vaccinated, right? Are we resting and healing from the trauma of the past year? That's what we should be worrying about. We don't need a beach body. We don't need a gym body. Everyone's body is a beach body. You just take your body to the beach, right? We don't have to look a certain way. We don't have to earn the right. So a little bit of a content warning. We're going to be talking a lot about bodies uh, when we come back. So uh, stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back. And, uh a little bit of a content warning. We're gonna be talking about relationships to body and food and summer and body dysmorphia in the gym because again, I'm already seeing people, well, people had already been obnoxiously and obsessively talking about weight loss, weight gain, home workouts. And it was just like, oh my God, we're in a pandemic, y'all. You do not need to be worrying about that. Just rest, heal. Focus on finding some joy and pleasure. My God, we don't need a gym body. We do not need abs, I promise you. They are not needed for anything unless you're a fitness model. And most of us are not, which means we do not need to worry about things. I'm telling you, the most liberating thing was when I realized I'm not a model. I don't need to look any certain way. I can look however it is my body is most comfortable looking and I choose to go to the gym sometimes because I enjoy throwing weights around. I eat plant-based because that's part of my ethics and my spirituality, my politics. And then it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like I look the way I look, y'all look the way you look. We need to not worry about things like this. Our worth and our value is not tied to whether or not we achieved the body we're told that we need to have. And our bodies are but a mere vehicle that help us move through the world. They're important, take care of them, but our psychology matters too. And again, aesthetics never promise health. We don't send our doctor a shirtless selfie for our physical. We actually go get our heart listened to and our breathing. We get blood work done. There's a multitude of factors that determine health, and it is not visual. All bodies have the capacity to be healthy at all sizes. Health exists at every size. Leaner, smaller bodies do not promise health, just like larger bodies do not promise a lack of health. We all have a right to be valued. So we're going to start talking about how do we move into the summer when everyone's going to be obsessively posting about before and after getting their beach body all sorts of messy talk um how do we keep a focus on ourselves well number one i've said this before and i'm going to say it over and over again unfollow all those people unfollow your friend that posts shirtless pictures, unfollow your friend that's posting their weight loss journey, unfollow your friend that's posting their workout plans. You don't need to see that. You don't need to have your day interrupted with being forced into considering how you look in comparison to everyone else. You do not need that in your brain. That is toxic for all of us. Move your body if you want to. You don't have to be healthy. You have a right to choose your life. If you want to be physically healthy, it's really important to move our bodies every single day and that can be done in any way you want. And so that's your first reminder. Move based on joy and pleasure. Working out, if you choose to exercise, does not have to be overwhelming and miserable. There's so many different ways to do it. But be very thoughtful about the impact of social media. Also, we wanna be very thoughtful about not idealizing or romanticizing any kind of body, get rid of a goal body, that might not be the right body for you. The body we have is based on what our body's most comfortable with. A lot of people, their gym is actually body modification. they have gone to extreme means with exercise and diet and maybe other things, hormones, steroids, to force their body to look away that it genetically naturally does not want to. We all have a set point weight, which is most comfortable for our bodies. And if you're gonna battle that, you're gonna be battling your body, you don't need to. Let go of that, stop idealizing looking a certain way. I wanna see all the bodies at the beach, every a beach body. I wanna see fat bodies, I wanna see stretch marks, I wanna see unshaved, unwaxed bodies, I wanna see pale bodies, I wanna see short bodies, I wanna see disabled bodies. The bigger you are, the more you should be showing and wearing spandex. We need to liberate, I'm dead serious. We're no longer saying that you have to earn the right to be at the beach or to be shirtless or whatever you wanna wear. Everyone has a right to be there. Stop idealizing and putting certain people on a pedestal. Truly, you are not lazy if you don't like working out or going to the gym. It's not something that everyone enjoys. Some people have other priorities. We're talking about mental health, and mental health means you are not to the detriment of your self-worth and self-esteem over idealizing or holding yourself accountable to something that is not right for you or who you are or something that will never be achieved. That will never fall under the definition of mental health. Most of these fitness ads and fitness people are actually working against your mental health in service of making you force your body to look a certain way that it doesn't need or want to look in service of what? In service of what? Perpetuating a norm so that you can feel you have worth and value and desirability? No, we're not doing that anymore. We're letting that go. All bodies have worth and value because they're a human being, period. So we're not idealizing people. We are unfollowing all that crap. We're releasing ourselves from these influencers who make money and build a brand on making us feel bad about who we are. We are not fitness models. We do not need to look that way. Also, we're not comparing ourselves to our friends. In fact, we're saying to our friends, we are no longer going to talk about our bodies and how fat we feel or don't feel or the weight we lost or want to lose or how many calories in something. Let's be a body neutral or a mentally healthy social network. Let's not idealize weight loss and gyms. Let's just idealize being good people. Let's support each other. Let's actually be that bunch of people that don't care about those things and actually push back on those norms and those values. You know why? Because you can only be as healthy as the health of the people around you. You cannot thrive in terms of mental health if you're surrounded by people who think and talk and hold you accountable to ways that are in complete opposition to that. It just doesn't work. Truly, it just doesn't work. It'll never work. It's the biggest losing way to move through the world is to think somehow you're going to continue to participate in the world as it is problematic as it is still hearing the same conversations, still following the same things and not think that you're not absorbing it. You are, I think we're all a little too familiar. We talked on another episode about all the different ways that people talk about and normalize disordered eating, but it's become so common when we hear people talk about cheat days and fasting and calorie counting and macros. Those are part of disordered eating. Those are linked to starvation. Those are linked to not body positivity where we're listening to our bodies' cues for hunger and satiation. When do you, We should be listening to our bodies. Our body should be telling us when to move, how to move. Our body should be telling us when it's time to stop working out, not the clock. Our body should be telling us when it's time to eat and time to stop eating. But we are so removed from our healthy, normal body cues that we don't even know how to do it. And a lot of people try to step into healthy eating, which is called intuitive eating, listening to your body. And it's very confusing because it's so foreign. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about how to get ready for the summer and all the body negative, toxic gym culture messaging that we're going to be battling. So stick around. This is important for everyone. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back. And uh, again, I'm talking very passionately because I sit in my office working with tons of people that are tortured by the idea that they need to look a certain way, that their body shape or size needs to be other than it is. The work, mental health is nothing but learning to love ourselves as we are, or more importantly, not even loving ourselves, neutralizing some of these topics. You don't have to love your body. I'd rather not even consider it. I'd rather us focus on what's healthy for us and then it is what it is. So we're talking about all the different ways. Number one, as I said, you have to unfollow all the accounts that are focused and obsessed with how someone looks. There's so many accounts tied to that, and they sometimes surprise us. I I see tons of influencers that are now focusing on mental health, but yet there's tons of these body pictures, and they're talking about weight loss and weight gain. None of that is rooted in mental health. In fact, it's the opposite, so we're unfollowing all that stuff. We're also taking a look at the health of our friends in relationship to this topic. What are the kinds of conversations they're having that are keeping us trapped or always thinking about and prioritizing? the gym and losing weight and counting calories and what we're eating. We're spending too much brain time on that. And we're talking about this topic because the summer's coming and we're going to be buried in and inundated with all these conversations around COVID weight loss and getting fit again. And it's exhausting because what we need right now is more rest and focusing on more joy and pleasure and just reemerging out into the world, right? Feeling safe, vaccinated. And so We don't need to be worrying about what weight we might've gained or weight or muscle we might've lost. It's exhausting. We are not fitness models. We don't need to be worrying about things like that. That's a gift. So we're not comparing ourselves to others. We're not comparing ourselves to friends. We're getting rid of our body goal. We're taking down any photos we have of this body we think we need. We're not stressing out over the gym We're sleeping in. We are moving our bodies if that's something that makes sense to you, but you're following the natural intuitive movements. You're going to the gym when you want or you're dancing at home or running or jogging or hiking or stretching or yoga, whatever makes sense and feels good and right to you is what you're doing and you're stopping when your body's had enough and we're starting to learn to listen to our body's cues we're eating when our body says it's hungry and we're stopping when it's satiated we're slowing down we're being more conscious we're trying to listen to our bodies because again culturally we're always ignoring it Right. Schools. I I will always bang on school because it's the place where we first learn to ignore our bodies. You're not allowed to go to the bathroom when you need to. You need permission. And sometimes you're told no. You're not allowed to stand and move around as you need to. You're forced to literally sit on your hands at times and sit still in a desk that is not normal. That's not natural. That's not healthy. And then you're sitting all day long, expected to focus on these boring topics. And you get to go outside and run around for an hour. And then when you get home, you get more work. We're supposed to be spending hours a day in play as children outside, but our bodies are forced to sit, to focus, can't even go to the bathroom or eat when we need to. And then we move into other parts of our lives where someone's manipulating, a yoga instructor or a personal trainer, forcing our bodies into different movements. This is moving away from listening to the wisdom of our body. And then we go into media and social media and it's telling us we have to look a certain way and we have to battle aging and it's it's a mess. So, another tip for moving into the summer and trying to neutralize our relationship to our bodies, we're not staring at ourselves. We're not grabbing ourselves. We're not looking in the mirror. We're not assessing. We're not weighing. Get rid of the scale. Stop looking in the mirror and assessing and grabbing and pulling. I see people, I see people do the gym the whole time they're there, constantly pulling up their shirt. I'm like, what are you checking for? What are you looking at? Health isn't visual. Health isn't visual. Get a stethoscope. Listen to your heart. Check your heart rate. How's your breathing? You know what I mean? How's your blood pressure? Like that's health. You should be maybe over on the side checking in on all that. I wish gyms had stations for actual assessment of health. We're also spending more time naked. That's right. There's something really radical in being in your naked body at home. Again, we want to be aware of consent and boundaries, but I'm assuming you're all adults and understand that. We've talked about that many times on the show, but we're spending more time naked. We're spending more time seeing and touching our body in different positions, You know, we're also wearing things that make us comfortable. That was a huge one. That was a huge, huge, huge one. I realized I was wearing things that weren't comfortable in terms of its fit, its material. And I realized part of like body positivity and really starting to honor my body and take care of it is to wear things that are comfortable. And so I'm wearing different materials. I'm not getting hung up on what's in fashion or what's professional, I'm wearing what's comfortable. I'm doing therapy wearing a baseball cap at times, hoodies. The work I do is not related to what I'm wearing. I refuse to participate in professionalism and respectability politics. You'll respect me based on my skill set and that I'm a person and my work is the same. It's actually better when I'm comfortable. So I'm centering comfort. I'm wearing sweatpants all the time and I'm gonna move into the non-COVID world continuing to honor wearing athleisure and comfortable stuff. Yeah, 100%. Every now and then I like dressing up but I'll do it based on what's comfortable for me. That's, I'm moving into even more radical authenticity and radical self-care. I can't wait. It's gonna be a shock to a lot of the world. Um, and finally, we're not calling things flaws anymore. Honestly, we're just kind of letting our bodies be. You know, We're not assessing. We're not trying. We're not changing. We're just letting go and being. We're being, we're cool where we are. We don't need any improvement. We don't need any optimization. We don't need any inf- efficiency. Toxic self-help culture tells us we should always be working on ourselves. Nope, take a break. Take a long, deep breath. All right, y'all, enough about that. That was intense, but uh, we needed it. All right, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. So if you've got a DM for us, drop it in our Loveline IG page. They're always open. We want to hear from you. And if you want to check out past episodes of Loveline, you can do so by going over to wearechannelq.com. Coming up next, like I said, DMs, listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Gary. I was adopted. Recently decided to find my birth parents. Everyone tells me that I need to be emotionally ready, but I'm not really sure what that even means. I feel ready, but maybe I'm not. How do I know for sure? You won't, you can't. And that that's one of those uh, pop psychology catchphrases that people say, you know, don't have too many expectations. Da da, da. It's like that, saying that doesn't reduce that or remove that. You know, be where you are, emotionally ready. I, I, we, you, mostly ready for what? We don't. We don't. I have no idea what what you're going to encounter. I have no idea what your birth, who your birth parents are, um, why they decided that they weren't ready to be caregivers. I, I don't know what's going on in your life. I mean, emotional readiness doesn't make sense, and that can be a minute by minute thing. Um, what I'd, what, the, what it's really about is just make sure you have resources in place and support, that's the best you can do. Make sure you have people around you that are gonna be there for you and supportive of whatever emerges out of this journey. It's a journey, it's not like you go meet them or see them and, and that's that, it's like, there's so much more to that story and that process. So just have resources and support around you and you're good, that's all we can do. I don't believe in emotional readiness. I believe though in possibly doing some research or talking to people about what is possible to come out of this, but but again, that doesn't necessarily prepare you. But if we have the right resources in place and we have support, then we're good. You know what I mean? Maybe get a therapist, have your friends and family members on standby, read some books about people's process of reconnecting with birth parents. And then you kind of go about your way and you see what emerges. But if you're, you know, a mentally robust, healthy person, you'll deal with what happens. Maybe you will be let down. Maybe you'll be excited. I don't know. But this is meaningful to you. And so you're apparently choosing to step into whatever comes out of that. And I fully support that, so good luck. Got another DM here, this one says, Dear Dr. Chris, I really, really love my girlfriend, but I'm having constant urges to go out and meet other people. I don't know if it's just me being stir-crazy or maybe I just love my girlfriend as a best friend instead of a potential partner. How do I know the difference? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, it is possible you're stir-crazy, listen. Even if you're in love with someone and powerfully connected and compatibility and chemistry is all there, it doesn't mean you won't at times want something new and novel. That is part of the human condition. Anyone in any relationship of any kind is always somewhere on the continuum between the desire for relationship and connection and also individuality and autonomy and singledom. And we manage that when we're in different kinds of relationships, right? But everyone in any kind of relationship, friendship, uh, parenthood, romantic relationships should at some point expect maybe the idea for newness parents at times want another child parents sometimes have more than one child and that's because even though they love their kid at some point the desire emerges for a new kid another kid it's not a replacement but they want more they want different um same thing happens with dinner and movies and vacation we want to go to a new place a new spot um, that doesn't mean you always act on it. You know, Some people want to have another child, but choose not to. Some people maybe want to have sex with others or date other people, but choose not to because of the relationship they're in. But the desire doesn't necessarily communicate other anything other than you're human. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It doesn't mean you don't love your partner. It doesn't mean you're not attracted to them. It just means that as happens, you've gotten to a point where maybe it's more of a plateau. All romantic relationships at some point become all about comfort. I mean, that's what happens, right? Like the, the most exciting thing is always newness and novelty. But the, the way a lot of us run our relationships is it's all about consistency and familiarity. And we choose things like monogamy and we see them all the time and we move in and they're sleeping over and we're doing everything together. That inherently will decrease the energy and excitement, but that's inherently built into that model. And if you leave this person and go find someone else and recreate that, well, you're going to be there again. So it's just about managing that. Take time to go off into the world on your own and have some experiences on your own. Take some time maybe to go off with some friends. Maybe it's just a sign that you need some general newness. Or maybe it's a sign that you and your relationship need to go out and do something. Sometimes people get a little too comfortable, and every night's a blockbuster night. And it's like, you know, every night can't be movie night on the couch in our sweatpants. We still want to go experience things together and have associations with each other as being exciting and dynamic. So. Go try that. Um, All right, y'all. That is our show. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to be talking about something called Cali Sober, which is a reference we heard from some celebrities. And then, of course, we'll also be talking about grief and loss and how to deal with different sexual desires. If you got a DM for us, as always, they're open. Drop them in our Loveline IG page, and you can check out past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll on down, find my face, click on it, and there they are. Took me a while to find it myself. Um, But join us tomorrow, and uh, spend the rest of your night focusing on a little bit of uh, rest, some joy and pleasure, and tons and tons of self-care. Thanks for hanging out, y'all, and you enjoy the rest of your night.